You know, it all started, as we all know, in the Garden of Eden, okay? God made man and woman. He placed them there. This is in chapters uh, 1, 2, and 3 of Genesis. Provided everything for them, everything they needed. He gave them a boundary and said, you can eat of anything in the garden, but not that tree. And that's all he said to them. And as we don't know how long the time was in between that, what he, when he gave him that instruction and the time that Eve was standing there and the serpent deceived her and she wanted more. She wanted to be able to do it herself, if you really think about it. She wanted to be able to handle it herself. She wanted to be like God. She wanted to be able to provide for herself. All of it, it was a very self-oriented choice. And then she turns around and she gives some to her husband. And he, and the, I hate saying it, guys, but God rebuked him. He said, because you've listened to your wife. It had nothing to do with it, that, uh, anything about listening to her. It was the fact that he didn't give her the leadership that he needed. And what we call the fall happened. But God still provided for them. He gave them what they needed. Now, let's go 10, 15,000 years into the future. We're standing here. And if you really notice, can you turn this down just a, just a tad? Because I can feel it starting to want to ring. Thank you. If you notice that in the way things are being set up, and I'm just talking about in our world, but also in our nation, it's a very self-oriented world. It's all about me. It's about what I can get, what I can do, what I can receive, what I can make happen. And how, you know, what's the old saying? How's that working for us? If you really think about it. And then we have people because of the, the and it's true, this has been, been uh, studied and looked at in the last couple of years. Because of what happened with the, sh the so-called shutdown, which thank God we didn't really do, that people are kind of scared to go out. Then there's others that aren't. They were ready to get out. But there's some that got traumatized to a point where they're afraid to go out. And, and fear has been gripping our nation little by little by little. We're scared of if someone coughs around us. I hate to say it, sometimes I purposely cough in public places. <laughs> because it's fun watching reactions. We go, <coughs> hey, look, maybe, mean, forgive me, Lord. But it is kind of fun. <laughs> so, but we're scared of that. We're scared because we have massive inflation that we haven't seen in, in decades. And people are scared. You, you're scared to go to the grocery store. You're scared to go to all kinds of different places. We're scared of our future. There's young people who are scared of our future. And you know what? There's old people that are scared of the future when you think about it. What is it going to look like? So what's happening is this fear is gripping our nation. And you know what else is gripping the church? Because the church is made up of what? People. Is it possible to be free from anxiety and worry? Don't answer yes yet. 
Here's a proposition I want us to look at. The believer who places his trust in the care of God will rest in his peace that passes the natural understanding. Think about that. The believer who places his trust and care in the care of God will rest in his peace that passes the natural understanding. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4, a passage that has been a, a lifeline for me for ever since I've gotten saved. And it's something that we, we say, and, I, and I'll say it this way, I'll say we say it flippantly sometimes. Because do we really know what it means and what it's talking about? Before we read it, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you as we look into your word and, and grant us wisdom. Holy Spirit, lead us. Those that may be watching online, I pray that you'll speak to them also. And may we get a hold of your word and may it bear fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Well, you know what? Let's start in verse 1. <coughs> I didn't do that on purpose. Okay. Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. I urge Iodia and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you to, uh, also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, together with Clement, also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Here we go. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentle spirit be known to all men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, my brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute or good report. If there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Here we go. Anxiety and fear. And I'm talking to myself. Because let me tell you, as I was praying about this and wrestling with it, I didn't really want to preach it. Because I can't, like Paul said, I can't say I've got a handle on it yet. But I want to. Anxiety is a choice. Fear is a choice. Peace is a choice. Okay? Our choice must be to trust in God. Now let me show you something. Look at verse 6. We're going to read these over and over again. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Okay, the word anxious is interesting because it means this, means anxious. You go for a deep meaning, it means troubled. That's it. It means to care, but it means to care in a wrong way, to care in a way of fearing, to care in a way of worry. What's interesting, now here's another part. It says, be anxious for nothing, right? Or I think the Living Bible at one time, if I quote it right, it says, don't worry about anything. Okay? But here's what 
God, how God is saying it. In the Greek, it's a present imperative. It's a prohibition. It's, we prohibit this. Prohibit this is what he's saying. Prohibit this in your life. Prohibit anxiousness in your life. Stop it. Don't do it. In fact, the imperative is this. The imperative points us to a personal choice. Let me show you. If you really translate it in a very literal, raw way, it means this. Stop being anxious. But wait a minute. But you don't understand. I mean, come on. I have emotions. I have things in my life that, that are concerned about. You don't know what's going on in my life, so cut some slack. You're right, I don't. I have emotions too. My emotions saying, stop. Stop. And Paul, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the leading of the actual, you know, speaking of the Holy Spirit, said, stop being anxious. Which what? It shows us that it's our choice. The imperative also points to the action needed, which is what? He gives us a solution. What's the solution? But in everything, by prayer and supplication. Now, this isn't telling us to join a monastery, to take a vow of silence, and to pray for the next 45 years. That's not what it's saying. This is speaking to our everyday life and how we handle the stuff that comes our way. Because didn't Jesus say, in this life you're going to have what? Tribulation. You're going to have trials. It's going to be hard times. But he says, be of good cheer. Why? He's overcome. So, if we have overcome in him, if we have overcome in him, and he abides in us because of salvation, take a seat. Why am I saying this? We'll find out. Here's the word prayer. This is interesting. He says, in everything by prayer and supplication. The word prayer is prosuke. I've, I've shared this many times in the last 10, 12 years. It means this. It means to offer prayer to God. But it goes a little deeper than that. Okay? It goes a little deeper. It means this. It means become a place of prayer. It means make a place of prayer. But this prayer in that Greek word is directing us to pray to God. It's not saying pray to anything else. It's offer your prayer to God. So what is that? That still is a choice. We have to choose to pray. But what we do choose most of the time is to try to figure it out, handle it on our own, and make something happen. Because that's the easy way. That's the way that makes me feel good because it makes me feel I have a sense of control. If you had a sense of control, you wouldn't be worrying. Think about it. Prayer means prayer to God, but in everything by prayer. And then he goes tells us this, and supplication. This means to make known one's particular need, a prayer for particular benefits. It means a, a petition for oneself. You know, I've had people over the years tell me, you know, in intercession, I feel like, uh, I feel really bad when I pray for myself. And I look at it and go, why? That's selfish because I need to be praying for others' needs. But what's preoccupying your mind right now? What's preoccupying your life right at this moment? How well are you going to be able to pray for others' needs 
when you are preoccupied with a worry with something going on in your life. Offer that first, deal with that, and then go to intercession for others. others. God tells us to offer that. Would you tell your kid, figure it out, don't bother me? Now, you probably have when they get older, okay? But in most cases, you want to help them, right? You provide because if they live in your home, you provide what they need. You provide the care. You provide the love. You provide the wisdom, hopefully. And you want them to come to you. You want them. But as they get older, what do you do? You just, you don't meddle and you stay out of it and you wait for them to come to you. Sometimes you may drop a hint like, you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. And you're going, you're right. But then eventually they'll come. When all of the avenues have been explored in most cases, then they come to you. But wouldn't it be nice if we came to the Father before the frustration built up? And this is no guilt. Do not take this as a guilt-ridden message. It's not. It's an encouragement. It's a, it's a pulling along. Like Paul said, stop being anxious. Y'all with me? Okay. Let me tell you this. You know, if we really saw this, if we were more aware, and I'm saying this to myself, I'm preaching to me. You guys are just hearing it. Okay? If, when I, like take for instance, when I look out and I see empty chairs, you know the first thing I feel like? A failure. It's true. Every pastor in some time in their life and their ministry felt that way and feels that way probably multiple times. But you know what? I can't do that. Because when that happens, what happens? It messes up what I'm really supposed to be doing. Because I'm feeling guilty, I'm feeling this, feeling that. But let me tell you something. What we need to realize is this. What I need to realize is this, even more and more, that the real path of the Christian, the real path of a believer is paved with stones of God's faithfulness. Look at your life. Has he ever failed you? Has he never not come through? I can sit here all day for, for the next 24 hours at the minimum and tell you one story after another on how God has fulfilled and taken care of me personally, before I was married, then after I was married, then when I had kids, and all, the, all through my life. Even when I didn't even know him, he was still faithful in my life to care for me. But we forget those things as quickly as they come. Am I wrong? Look at, look at the rest of the verse. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. Now look what it says. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Now, with thanksgiving. The word thanksgiving is the word eucharistia, which means what? Thankfulness. It means gratitude. But if you take this and you put it in the context of what we're talking about, it's the very expression of the prayer. The prayer is to be done in thankfulness. The, the petition is to be done in thankfulness. Why? Because we're thanking him for something that we don't see yet, but we know in his faithfulness he's going to give. Let me show you something else. It's interesting. It says, let your request be made known to God. Now, 
The request is this. It's very similar to what we just saw about in supplication. It means this. It means petitions, requests. It occurs only twice in the New Testament. Here, <coughs> excuse me, and in 1 John 5, 15. And it means in the sense of a petition of men to God. Both times is interesting. It means this. It means a petition. It means something, God, this is a need that I have. And so I'm taking this need and I'm petitioning you for it. You know, uh, what is it um, in the business world? It's a, uh, what do they call it? My mind just went, I had it right there and it went out there. A requisition, thank you. Okay? This is a need, so you write it up and you give it to your boss and you hope it passes through the financial group. Okay? And you know what this is? Fat chance that it will really make it through. Okay? But what happens? You petition. I need this. This is what's going on to do the job. I need this. And so what do we do? We petition God, God, to move forward. I'm, I'm in great need. Look at the Psalms. How many times did David and the other writers of the Psalms petition God for, with requests? Over and over and over again. And each time they wrote about God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. But it, you know what's interesting? Is that this word here, and the two times it's used in the scriptures, it's in the plural which means petitions, multiple petitions. This is just a one-time deal. So if we want to not be anxious, we have to do everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Why? The thanksgiving is what? The thanksgiving to me, this is just a Ronism, okay? It's the glue that holds it all together. It's the attitude of my heart as I present these things. It's the very thing that, that my, my expression of love for God, God, I know, I know that you're with me. I know that you're going to take care of me. It's hard to see it right now. But Lord, I thank you that I'm able to come to you and bring these petitions. Lord, thank you. And even thank you for what I'm going through. The love of God is openly displayed when his children pray. His faithfulness is exhibited as we bring our requests before him. Look at that again. The love of God is openly displayed when his children pray. Amen. His faithfulness is exhibited as we bring our requests before him. Why is his faithfulness exhibited? Because he is a God who answers. Now think about that. He answers. He's the creator of the universe Everything that's ever been and ever will be has been created by him. He sent his son to redeem us, to be the propitiation for our sins, the very sacrifice, the atoning sacrifice for our sins, to bring us back to God if we will come and repent and confess our sins before him. He's done all this, and he's so involved in our lives that he loves us so much that he gave us this avenue to know him, and that avenue is prayer. And when we pray, his love is expressed. We sense his love. We know his love. Even though we may not feel it at that moment, the fact that he said we can pray to him, we can speak to him, we can come before him, is an act of his love. And his faithfulness, we see, when those answers come, we know that he's there. Am I making sense? God's provision in times of trouble is this. Look at verse 7. Look at verse 7. And the peace of God, 
which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's a hard one. Look at that again. And the peace of God. When we've done all this stuff and we pray, we offer thanksgiving, we brought our petitions before him, our supplications. We, we're, we're doing this because we don't want to worry, don't want to be anxious anymore. And we brought all this to him. Then he gives us this promise, which is a provision. And he says, and the peace of God. First it tells us what? And the peace of Buddha? And a peace of your wife? Okay, peace of your husband? The peace of, of, of your work? The peace of going hunting? Which there's a lot of peace in that. Okay? Nothing better than a deer stand with nobody else around. You and God. But get ready because he loves to speak in the deer stand. Okay? The peace of that? No. Because what does he tell? The peace comes from who? Say it with me. God. Now look what it, look what it says. And the peace. The word peace is Irene. If you got the name Irene, good name. It means this. Peace as a fruit of, this is interesting. It means fruit of salvation. Outside salvation, we will never experience the peace of God. It means the peace of salvation. Peace that comes through the salvation in Christ. Now look at what it says. It's really interesting. It's cool. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. Here, in fact, turn with me. Turn to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. I got to cut down on the slides because we don't actually flip in our Bibles anymore because you wait for me to put them up. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 16. Now, look what it says. Now, may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. Now, wait a minute. Every circumstance. That means no matter what we're going through, Paul saying, may the Lord grant you peace. How do we get the peace? How is the peace granted? Right back Philippians 4, 7. Look what it says. When we've done what he's asked us to do, the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, which surpasses all comprehension. This is great. The word surpass is a compound word. And it means basically this. To be above or to have above. Which means what? To hold over or extend over something. Extend over or beyond. So what is it saying? Our peace, if we... If, Here's our problem, right here. Just imagine, just for in your in your your own mind, imagine that one thing right now that's that's just plaguing you. Here's the problem. Now, what the peace of God does is we offer that to Him. It says this: the peace of God. This is me too, because the problem's right here. It's in here. Okay. So the peace of God does this. It hovers. Sean, come here for a minute. Kneel in prayer. It's time. I've been wanting to get you here to do this for a long time. Okay? He's praying. He's interceding. The peace of God comes over and hovers over him. Because why? Thank you, brother. Thank you. I hope you got things right. <laughs> You're going to need a longer sermon in prayer time, right? <laughs> so the peace of God covers. It hovers. It doesn't hover over a problem. It hovers over you. It's over and above your problem. But it's not just hovering over you like, like this. It's hovering over you in your heart. And it, what does it do? It consumes the heart. 
So when does he, where does the anxiousness go? You seeing this? This is, this is so good. God's peace given us in Christ stands above the anxiety the world produces when our thoughts call us to worry and fear. God's peace given us in Christ stands above the anxiety of the, that the world produces when our thoughts call us to worry and fear. And this says it's what? It it's, it's, it's surpasses what? Our comprehension. Look at this again. The word comprehension means what? In fact, it's, just go to the next slide, sweetheart. There you go. That's it. The word comprehension means what? It means mind, understanding, reason. But here's what is interesting. It also means that it's above judgment. Now you go, wow, that's a heavy word. Why is, it above, why is God's peace above judgment? Why above judgment? It means this. It means you can't figure it out. You can't, because the word judgment means to take apart, to look at it, each thing individually, and then put it all back together. When you try to take God's peace and take it apart, if, if it's from him, how is our natural mind going to be able to figure that out? It's above our natural mind. It's above our own thinking. It goes past that. But at the same time, it's above us. It surrounds us. It holds us. Okay? Now look at it again. I'm going to give you that, that, next, that same statement I gave you a minute ago. Look at this. God's peace given us in Christ stands above the anxiety the world produces when our thoughts call us to worry and fear. Therefore, his peace passes any earthly understanding because it's not of this world world why can't we figure it out now don't lose me on this because we can't it's not of this world it's not of the natural this is supernatural this is a point where let me give you a prime example it's like this we come to God with the situation we're facing we come to God with this problem we lay our petition our request before him and many times, and I'll say it many times, it's not an instantaneous like, oh, I got peace, hallelujah. Okay? That's not, that's not it. We're praying, and we lay it there, and we go, God, I'm trusting you. I feel nothing right now, and I'm not doing it to feeling, to get a feeling, but I'm, I'm laying this before you. I don't know how to handle this. But as we step away from that, and we begin to move through our day, or move through the, whatever's going on at the moment, God's peace many times will come in the midst of it, because we'll go, wow. And we'll see the whole situation start to get put together the right way. Because do you realize this? That prayer, when we pray, that's an obedient act. When we pray, when God says, offer your prayers to me, that's an obedient act when we do it. We obey him when we pray. And when there's obedience, there's submission. When there's submission, there's, there's, a, there's a trust. Because you have to trust if you're going to pray. When we don't pray, it's because we don't trust. 
It says that peace will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. The word guard is really interesting. Remember at the, the tomb, Jesus' tomb? They rolled the stone in front. They sealed it, however that was, but they put a, a seal on it that could not be broken, right? But what did they do? We all know, love the seal. The seal that can't be broken, and God broken. Okay, great. But what else did they do? They put guards by the tomb. And they stood guard over that tomb. It means to stand garrisoned over something. That's exactly what God's peace does in our life. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts. Did you catch it? and your minds, your emotions, and your thinking in Christ Jesus. But that doesn't always mean, now let's get real. It doesn't always mean we're going to have this ooey-gooey feeling. It means that we will stop worrying about it. When we place it in his hands, but sometimes we have to pray, walk away, pray some more, walk away, pray some more, walk away, right? It's not always a one-time deal, right? It's not a one and done. The provision of God's peace stands guard over the heart and mind of the believer who chooses, and look at this, who chooses to trust in him. Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. I encourage you to read from 25 down, but we're just going to pick up at 31. Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? And by the way, the word worry is the same word, Greek word that's used in Philippians 4, 6. Do not worry then, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what, shall we wear, uh, what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But look at this. But seek first his kingdom. Now stop there for a second. What is it saying? Seek first the kingdom. It doesn't say pray first, does it? Yes, it says seek first the kingdom. Seek first. The first thing you do is seek God on this thing. If you need something, seek God. If you're worried about something, seek God. If you're concerned about something, seek God. If, if, if there's need healing, seek God. If you need provision, seek God. Whatever is going on in our life, seek God first. Seek, I love the King James. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now stop there. His righteousness. What? His right way of doing things, but it's also his right way of living. What is God's righteousness? Is that we are in communion and contact and relationship with him. So we have the act of seeking through prayer. We got a relationship building. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Which means God says, I will take care of you. And let me tell you something, my friends. This is a verse. This is a, an understanding. This is, is you know, Philippians 4, verse 6 through 8. Also, Matthew 6, these are things you need to set to memory. You know why? Because you're going to need them. You're going to need them. There's gonna need, we're going to need a time where we got to go, God, I trust you no matter what I may see. 
No matter what goes on, Lord, I trust you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God is righteous, and all these things will be added unto you. Look at verse 34. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And if you work in the work world, it does. Okay? Let's start wrapping this up. Go back to Philippians 4. Look at verse 8. Here's the mindset. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, <coughs> whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute or good report, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Here's our mindset. What, here's the question. What occupies your thoughts? Evidently, in the context, worrying is occupying the thoughts of the Philippian church. Anxiety is occupying their thoughts. Okay? Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 says this. Therefore, there's a, there's a, there we go. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above. Wait a minute. Let's read that again. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on the earth. Now, what does Philippians chapter 2, verse 6 say? Anybody know? Go back. Is it 6? No, excuse me. Uh, where is it? My mind just went blank. I usually have this verse right in my head all the time. says we're seated in the heavenly realms with Christ Jesus, right? Oh, if he, if, it's that other book. I only wrote a doctoral dissertation on it. should know that, right? Ephesians, thank you, brother. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, okay? I know it was a 2-6 in there somewhere, okay? But it says we're seated. Now, wait a minute. We're seated in the heavenly realms in Christ, positionally, right? Okay, what does it say there? Keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So wait a minute. Christ is there. We're in him. We're there. But the thing is, we keep stepping out. Our thoughts keep stepping out. Because it's like this. Everyone in here probably has flown in a plane and had the window seat. How do things look from the window seat? Very small. Minute. Sometimes you can't even see them because of the clouds, right? When we are seated in the heavenly realms in Christ, if we will allow our vision and our thoughts to be from there, how big are those problems? And sometimes you get to the point where you can't see them. You see my point? What, what do we believe? Who do we believe? Who are we trusting in? The moment we allow anxiety to step in, we're worrying. But look what he says. We can, look what he says. Therefore, if anyone be in, let's go to the next one. Okay? Let's go back to the, uh, yeah, there we go. Thank you. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good report, if there is any excellence, and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. What does that mean? We can choose what we think about. 
And I'm, I'm getting so tired of hyper-spirituality. You know what that is? Well, I just got to let God change my thoughts. Nowhere does he say he's going to do that. He says, you make the choice and allow, allow him to change it, but you got to make the choice. Start thinking on these things. And the moment we start obeying his word and doing what he tells us to do, the Holy Spirit will begin changing what's going on. But it's our choice. We must choose. What are we going to choose to think about? Look at these things. We're not going to go over everyone in detail. True means this, not false. Okay? That means it's, if it's true, it's reliable. It's genuine. It's real. Okay? Honorable. You know what that means? Honorable. But you know what else it means? Morally attractive. Ouch. Let go of Hallmark channel. Amen. All the going, thank you, Jesus. Go, go. Okay, not all of them. There's some that are good. I watched one last night. It was good. Okay. I guess I did. I can't believe I just confessed I watched the Hallmark channel. But... <laughs> it was John Wayne was in it. Okay, so. <laughs> right. Look at what's right. Okay. True, honorable, right. Right means righteous towards both God and man. What is right? What is righteous? Okay. You can even throw in there what is holy. It says what is pure. Means what? High moral character of one's life. Think of what is pure. High moral character. Lovely. Means that which is admirable, agreeable to look at or to consider. You catching this? Of good report, of good repute, it means this. It means what is fair, what is sounding, what is fair sounding. What is fair? What is a good report? And it says excellence. Again, it goes back to this. It's interesting that out of all of these, three of them point to morality. Now, we're not trying to preach moralism. Okay? It's not what I'm preaching. I'm preaching what this. What are you going to think about? In Christ, what do we think about? Excellence. That means moral excellence. And the last thing, whatever is praiseworthy. That means worthy of commendation. Worthy to even talk about. And if we're Focusing on those other things, that last one's going to come real easy. And it says, dwell on these things, and the God of peace will be with you. The word dwell. Here we go. Remember a little while ago, anxious was an imperative. It means stop worrying, stop being anxious. Look at this. The word dwell is an imperative. It's the imperative for our habit of thought. Which means what? To put together with one's mind, to count, to occupy oneself with reckonings, calculations. But it means it's imperative that you live within these thought patterns. Which is what? Whatever is true, holy. If you think like this and you dwell in this type of thinking, you're going to be seated and know that you're seated with Christ. You catching what's going on here? You're going to be thinking what's, what heaven would think. And guess where the worry and anxiety goes? Am I making sense? You all with me? Okay. Dr. A.T. Robertson, it was really interesting. I stumbled upon this in a, in a Greek uh, book. It says, we are responsible for our thoughts and can hold them to high and holy ideals. Don't get hyper-spiritual. Well, God will change my thoughts when it's time. God's going, I'm trying to change them now. 
point your mind. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. The Believer's Bible Commentary said this, Paul had assured the saints that God would garrison their hearts and thoughts in Christ Jesus. <coughs> but he is not neglectful to remind them that they, too, have a responsibility in the matter. God does not garrison the thoughts or the thought life of a man who does not want to be kept pure. And I think that's right. You know, in the, um, I'm going to wrap it up. We're going to close now. In Mark chapter 4, when Jesus gave the parable of the seed and the sower, the third seed, well, let's just turn to Mark chapter 4. Since we just got out of Mark, we'll go back there for a moment. This is a seed that was sown among the thorns. Look at this, verse 18. And Jesus is explaining this parable to them. And he gets to this third seed that was sown. And others, and others are the ones on whom seed was sown among the thorns. These are the ones who have heard the word. Now watch this. But the worries, same word. But the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. We wonder why our walk in Christ is unfruitful. It's because of this. Are you worrying? Worry and, and anxiety pulls us away from the very trust of God and places ourselves on the throne of our life. And we begin to step forward. We begin to take control. When God says, I will help you. I will do this. I will provide for you. When we worry about our financial situation, and let me tell you something. That's, I think everyone could probably say that's the hardest one to let go of. Because we're used to working. We're used to providing. We're used to making a living. But when it's not going as far or there's cutbacks or whatever's going on, we begin to worry. In Tennessee, when we... When I got laid off from the church, along with four other people, there's five of us in one day, I, one, that was our provision. And I said, God, what are we going to do? I remember Denise and I were sitting in our bedroom, in a little sitting room that was there, and we just prayed. We said, God, we need your help. I don't know what to do. And for a couple weeks, I was looking for a job, and it just, it just wasn't. And I was beginning to worry because as a, a cancer patient, a cancer survivor, if I lose my insurance, I will get insurance but never again for cancer. And so my payment was going to be due on the, at the end of the month and it was, it was like a week away. And if I didn't make that payment, and we didn't have it, and I didn't even have a job. And we were praying, and I was starting to worry, and I was getting, like, really anxious. And guys, I know you never have ever been here, but when, you, when guys get worrying, we get a little grumpy. 
It never happens with you guys. I don't know. But, and I was going, God, because why? I'm trying to figure this out. And so Denise and I began to pray again. And that, it was like a couple days into, we were a couple days shy of, of having to make a payment. And a friend of mine called me and said, hey, Ron, how are you guys doing? He knew what was going on. He was a pastor in Texas. And um, I said, well, it's getting tough. He goes, what's going on? What do you need? I said, right this moment, you're asking what I need besides a job? He goes, yeah, what do you need? I said, I need a, an insurance payment because if I don't get my insurance payment, I'm going to lose my insurance and I'll never get insurance for cancer again. I won't be able to get can any, any checkups or anything. He goes, oh, man, that's terrible. He goes, okay, and he, he prayed with me. And about two or three hours went by. Phone rang again, and I picked it up, and it was this friend's dad. Now, I knew him because I worked on staff with his father when he was in a youth group, many moons and wheat harvest back. And, the, and he called me, he goes, listen, he goes, you know, so-and-so told me, you know, my son told, told me what's going on. He goes, I want to pay your premium. And I went, brother, that's, it's, a, it's a lot of money. It's like $1,000. And he goes, okay. He goes, where can I send the money? And I just, wow. And he goes, if you get stuck another month, let me know. The next day I went down to Kroger and I got it and they offered me a job in the fuel center. And what, you know what's interesting? The church that I got laid off from, this is God's provision. The church that I got laid off from, and I hope he doesn't watch this, <laughs> the pastor's daughter was the financial director. And she called me. She goes, I know your payment's coming up. She goes, do you have it? Because she said she didn't let anybody know, but she kept our insurance going until I found something else by you know, keeping me on the church insurance. And I just had to send her the payments and keep it going. And so the second month, I said, you know, sweetie, I don't. I don't have it. She goes, all right. She goes, oh, somebody's going to take care of that, I know. And I went, are you telling me something without telling me, and she goes, do you have ears to hear? <laughs> and she paid the next payment. And by that time, I'd gotten on the Kroger, I got the manager, manager's job in the fuel center, and I got insurance through them. And it just seamlessly went. So that's one of many things. If God can do a small, minute things like that, how much more can he do in a greater things in our life? Psalm 32, verse 7 says this. You are my hiding place. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with songs of deliverance. John chapter 14, verse 27 says this. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. When the believer 
moves from anxiety to prayer with thanksgiving, trusting in the care of God. God gives his sustaining peace that passes our natural understanding. Why? Because he loves us. Until the day I die, I'm going to use this illustration. The Bible tells us that we're seated in the heavenly realms. We're seated in Christ. And what that means is that I am in him. Didn't Jesus say this? And he is in me. And so if he is seated in the heavenlies with the Father, positionally I'm seated with him. And all of his promises are true. They're yes and amen, right? So if I'm seated in him, then all of his promises are true, yes and amen, where? In me. The moment I get up and try to handle it my, my, on my own, I am not trusting him, and I am not seated in his promises. I am, but I'm not recognizing I'm seated in his promises, and therefore I'm trying to make it happen on my own. And every time I'll fail. Every time. But the moment I recognize that and I go and I sit back down and I get in prayer, just like here, and I sit down and I rest, sitting means resting, and I rest in his promises, and I rest in the fact that he promised he would give me peace, he promised he would take care of me, he promised he, that, I'm a, that he's my hiding place where I can go and I can hide from the stuff that's going on. It's, and a hiding place is more about my refuge, my shelter. And when I hide in him, and realize that I'm seated in him, hidden in Christ, then I trust him, and all his promises start coming to fruition in my life. Am I making sense? Because I'm resting. I am not in charge. My power isn't, isn't working anymore. Because I'm seated, and all of my weight is on the very promises of God. When the believer moves from anxiety to prayer with thanksgiving, trusting in the care promises of God, God gives his sustaining peace that passes our natural understanding. Where's your peace? Who do you run to in time of trouble? Who's your shelter? Who's your hiding place? Let's pray. Lord, I pray in these next moments as we come to you in prayer. Lord, I pray that this morning we begin the journey of resting in your promises. We begin the journey of not being anxious, not worrying, not being fearful. And when that fear and that anxiety tries to overwhelm us and, and come over us like a flood, we will raise up the banner of your promises, the banner of your name, because your name, it, it, it encompasses all of your promises, because you, you are truth, you are true, you do not lie, and you said you would take care of us, and you don't take it back. So Lord, may we raise up the standard of your name this morning in our life. May we trust you May we believe what you've said. 
May your word be the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path. May we hide your word in our heart, your promises, oh God, that we might not sin against you. And that sin being worried and anxious over this life. You promise you'd clothe us, you'd feed us. you give us provision. And you told us not to worry because you take care of the flowers of the field and the birds of the air. And you said, how much more valuable are you than they? So Lord, may we see the value that you've given to us. Expressed in your love. May we begin to know and may, Lord, I pray this in my life. Lord, I ask that prayer will become like breathing in our life. That every breath, Lord, may it be a prayer. May we run to you in times of trouble, but may we live in you all the time. So, Lord, may we be anxious about nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let our requests be made known unto you and your peace which passes all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus may that be our life may you be our life because Lord if your word is true then this is feasible we can do this in you when we trust in you, not of our own power, yes, but by your power and your strength that you have given us because we're seated in you. You are in us and we are in you. May we make you our home, our hiding place, our refuge. quietly stand. And this morning the altar is open for prayer. If God is leading you to go pray for somebody, get up and go pray for